The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, host of the Women in Media podcast. My guest today is an Emmy award-winning television producer from Toronto who's moved out to LA. And since, she's worked everywhere from Netflix and the Ellen DeGeneres show to the Walt Disney Company. And she recently joined the team at Red Table Talk. What I'm most intrigued about though, when it comes to her story, is her journey as an entrepreneur to make mentorship accessible and fair. Can I pick your brain? Um, I was wondering like if we can jump on a call. I just want to know how you got into the industry. I have been on both sides. I've definitely asked questions like that. And it is a lot of work. You know, it's time out of your day. And what you're sharing, your experience and your lessons are valuable. We have our full-time jobs. We're underpaid as it is. So now to like go out of our way after the work day and help someone else, I believe that sharing your knowledge is valuable and is worth being compensated for. My guest today is Joss Richard, senior content producer at Red Table Talk, as well as the CEO and founder of Margot Community, which I can't wait for you to hear more about. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I must admit I had never heard of Margot Community until I had Shannon Burns from Bell Media on this podcast. She nominated you to come on, actually. But how is it that while leading such a busy media life, you found time to become an entrepreneur and you founded this company? You know, um, good question. Really good question. I, I don't know. And I feel like people ask me that, like my friends, they're just like, how do you have the time? And like, how are we still able to go for brunch? And it's just one of those things where I think the pandemic has been a blessing and a curse at the same time. I think being able to work from home and have nothing but my thoughts and just me time, um, has really allowed me to start the business if I was still, you know, going into the office every day and, you know, doing that commute, I don't know if I would have been able to start Margot. So I, I really think it was all about timing. And now, um, now that things are opening up again and there's talks about like going back in, I think it's just one of those things I have to figure out because I have to, um, yeah, yeah. it's your calling. (laughs) It's your calling for sure. Mm-hmm. So to understand, you know, the beginning of this company and I think how you arrived at the idea, we got to go a little bit back in time here to, uh, you know, your your career, which started in Toronto. Uh, you went to broadcast journalism school. Do you mind me asking where you went? I went to Centennial College. Okay. And then coming out of that experience, you know, you you did the, the newsroom thing. And I think a lot of us who graduated from broadcast journalism did that. That's something that we have in common. But, you know, you went for the TV production pretty early on. And there was a a comment in a recent article um, that I read where you were interviewed, where you were saying, like, I've been so lucky to land my dream job several times. But also, like, you were on red carpets, like, very early on in your career. How how did you pivot from sort of news and and journalism into um, TV production? I guess while I was in college, I was doing television production because I used to volunteer at a local news station. Um, so I, that's where I did camera operating, teleprompter, audio, all those things. Um, but my official internship for college was at eTalk, um, which is a news outlet, but it's an entertainment news outlet. So that's sort of where the two things sort of blended together because I did have experience being like in a newsroom, but it was, it was all like 
entertainment news. So we, we had to go to red carpets. We had to go to movie premieres. Um, so I think I was very fortunate with that being my very first experience. So I started off as an intern, immediately got hired after my internship, which I am still forever grateful for, because that was really the start of everything. Um, but yeah, that's essentially how it started. When you think back to your time there, how did you know that you wanted TV? It was the only thing that excited me. Um, I was that person in high school, even elementary school, that I would just collect people magazines, like Us Weekly, like all of those things. I just cared about celebrities and movies and television. And I knew I wasn't a good writer. So I was like, okay, I'm obviously not going to be a writer. I'm not going to be an actress. Um, how, how, what other ways can I you know, enter this world. Um, and that's when I thought, okay, working in entertainment news. Yeah. What was the most exciting early project you worked on? Um, I think the first time, well, there are two. So I think it was the first time I was ever given the opportunity to interview, um, a celebrity, which was, I was just an intern at the time, but the producer that I was interning with, you know, I was allowed to go on that shoot. She was like, why don't you ask the questions? And I was like, wait, really? Are you sure? And she's like, yeah, like I trust you. It's fine. And she's been doing it for so long that this was something that was, you know, not new to her. She was like, why not give this intern an opportunity? So I think that was the first time I was like, oh my God, I can do this. Like I can be that person that, yeah. you know, talks to interesting people. Um, so there was that. And then also the first time I was given the opportunity to write my own script for the show and just like sort of lead um, an entire segment. So those were the two milestones, I would say. Do you remember who, who that was, that first interview? Yeah, it was Brett Kissel, the country star. At the time, I was, I, I didn't know, but I think that's what helped because I, he wasn't like Brad Pitt or anything like that. <laughs> He's probably the Brad Pitt of country, but. I was thrown into country music. I work in music too. And he was one of my early country interviews as well. And like, I had come from the rock side of things. And um, he was the guy who like looks you in the eyes and will say your name back to you during the interview. Maybe you have a, a small memory of this. He really gives one-on-one attention when he's doing an interview and makes you feel comfortable. Yes, I do remember how I felt and I felt good about it. I was like this, he set the bar and it has not always been like that, but it yeah. was a really good first experience. <laughs> okay, and and even the producer that you're speaking about, that those things don't happen all the time, especially like when women sometimes, you know, feel like they need to compete in that space. And yeah, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing that she sort of handed uh, the reins over and was like, you do this one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm grateful for her. So that was a really, really awesome opportunity she gave me. And maybe that played into exactly, you know, what what you're doing now as well started exactly. it early, full circle. <laughs> exactly. It's like the little things you just, you don't know, yeah. like the impact they can make on you. What was one of those like things that maybe you had a little bit of fear about early in the game? Um, I think just making mistakes, trying to make an impression. I think it's really hard to get into the industry. Um, and I was, I, I wasn't the only intern. I had other interns around me and it was, I, I just want to get hired after, but how was that going to happen if there were so many other people around me? And obviously I wanted to support other interns, but it was sort of competitive because you wanted to get hired. Um, so I think I was very scared and timid, um, of pitching ideas, making sure they were the right ideas, um, making sure people knew who I was. I was very green. I was young, obviously it was straight out of college. So yeah, there are a lot of things if I was in that situation now, and I definitely would have approached differently. 
So let's get into mentorship. You've spoken about Terry, and I know Terry's a a mentor in the Margot community as well. Uh, So she's like a prominent figure in in, uh, Canadian television. Speak to me about like how important her sort of openness and willingness to work with you sort of played a role into, you know, you gaining that confidence in the industry at such a young age. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I can go on for hours about Terry Hart. (laughs) Terry Hart is amazing. She not only is my mentor, like you said, but she is one of my closest friends. Um, And when I started working with her, she already had a 20 plus year career. um, And I was still fairly new. And she spoke to me like I was an equal. She spoke to me like any idea I had was worth listening to. Um, she never acted like she knew more than me. She very much encouraged me. And I don't think it was, you know, in a condescending way or trying to entertain the idea of, you know, this person, this young person has ideas. She wants to hear new ideas. She, she wants to know what other people are thinking. And I think that's something that's so amazing about her, but being able to work so closely with her for, Um, I think at the time it was like, we worked closely side by side for maybe three years. And I think that that was more valuable than any other experience I've ever had any schooling that I could have had. It it was, it was so, it was life-changing really. I feel the same way about mentorship too. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. there's only, there's a cap on what you can learn in school. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's subjective. And I talk about this as well, um, you know, with other mentors, like why would someone want a one-on-one, want one-on-one mentorship when you can just, you know, go on YouTube or take a masterclass or any of those things, take a Mm -hmm. workshop. And it's so different to have that one-on-one time because that advice is specific to you. It's not generic, which there's benefit in those as well, but um, it's just, huge difference if it's one-on-one. So what, what was the first lesson that you learned from her or the most like compelling lesson that you've learned from her? So one is like life advice. And then the other one is specific to the industry. So the life advice she said was where you are now is not where you're going to be six months from now. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's so true because I feel like we get so caught up in the moment of like what's happening, this is the end of the world, how are we gonna get out of this? When things happen, things move on, we're not gonna be in the same place down the road. And that is something I've always remembered anytime I feel you know, not so confident or I feel like things aren't working my way. That was the life advice. And then the second is when I started really producing content on my own, interviewing people, And she watched, you know, she watches the raw um, and tries to give me feedback, which is always scary when someone's watching like raw footage of something and not seeing the produced. Oh, air check. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But she told me and she said, when you're interviewing, don't think of your questions, but think of what you want the answer to be. Think of your story and how can you get this person to say things to help build that story? And I never thought of it that way. I was so focused on, okay, does this question sound okay? Like, what would they think of this? And they don't know, they don't care about what the questions are. People aren't even going to hear the questions when you're not on camera. Um, So that was really, really helpful to me and helped shape anything that I produced. Mm. 
And I'm, I'm super interested in understanding how, you know, you jumped from Toronto to LA. Was it because you lined up something first or from, from what I'm reading, it sort of feels like you just like took a leap of faith. I did. I did take a leap of faith. Um, I was going back and forth from LA to Toronto naturally because of work. Um, and I just really fell in love with the city. Yeah. It's a little different now. I don't have the same love for it as I did then, but, um, I did want to move here. Um, I wanted to excel my career in this, in entertainment. And I felt like this was the place to be. Um, I sort of made a case for my employer at the time. And I said, I want to move to LA can I be like the LA producer? That way we don't have to outsource producers. You know, I can be there. It can be freelance. And they said, yes. So that was sort of a risk that I took because that wasn't a real job. And I didn't know how often they were going to use me. Um, But that was sort of like the push that I needed. Like, okay, at least I have maybe one thing a month. A little security blanket. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think for the first three months, they only used me once. Um, So it was a little bit of a risk. I didn't have anything, you know, concrete lined up, but it was something I really, really wanted to do. And then how did you go about like, you know, pitching your skill set to, you know, big names in LA? Yeah. So it's interesting. My first job um, in LA was like my first full-time job was Netflix. And I didn't even know it was Netflix when I, um, applied because it said like, it was a confidential company. I just saw what the position was. And I was like, great, I can do this. Um, it actually wasn't producing. Um, it was like in the content team, but it was very like clerical work. Um, so I was like, whatever, I just need money. So I took it, ended up being Netflix, which is huge. And all while doing that, I was also freelancing, um, with the Toronto news outlet. So, um, I think, being able to work at Netflix and have that name on my resume really gave me confidence. And so the fact that. that like on weekends, I was also doing junkets. I was doing movie premieres. I think my first year in LA, I am very fortunate. I just had so much confidence because I was like, I moved here. I got a job. I'm also doing this. Whereas I feel like it takes a bit when you move to a new city. Um, So I think things worked out very much in my favor and I'm very grateful for that. On on a personal level too, like how much did you try to uh, like start fresh and like leave things behind sort of? Yeah, I didn't know anyone. Um, I had a friend of a friend that I was introduced to. Uh, and Terry had a cousin who was <laughs> my age that was moving to LA at the same time. And she was like, you have to connect with my cousin. We ended up becoming best friends. So I had her and we were like both new to the city, but I moved there not knowing anyone. Um, but I think, I mean, when I moved here, I started a vlog, like a YouTube channel. And I was like, I'm going to be like a YouTube, not a YouTube star. I didn't think I was a YouTube star, but I was just like, I'm going to document everything. And I'm like going to be this person and no one knows me. So I think that also really helps when you move to a new city or country where people don't know you, you can really just be whoever you want to be. And I got so much confidence moving to LA um, because I didn't have to think about what anyone thought of me. No Mm. one knew who I was, so I could sort of be anyone. How did that set up for for Ellen DeGeneres if that was next? Yes. So Netflix was um, a contract position and it was for a year with the option to go full-time after. And 
I, like I said, it wasn't a producing role. I just really miss being creative. Um, so I, I saw a LinkedIn post for Ellen and I just applied. I didn't know anyone and I've never gotten a job this way since. Um, but I just <laughs> sent my resume in through LinkedIn and I went through a series of interviews and then I got the job and it was the most, when I got the call that I could work there, it was probably the most like pinch me moment of my entire life. And I was like, I made it. I made it. I remember I, I have goosebumps I right now. I remember going in for the interview because all of, I did a series of interviews and they were all virtual. And my last one was like on the street, like on the lot and they shoot at the Warner brothers lot. And I remember seeing the Warner brothers water tower. And I like, I was tearing up in my car and I was like, this is why I moved here. This like all makes sense now. But, um, yeah, that's essentially how I got that position. Wow. I love that. Okay. So thinking back to like both Netflix and and, uh, the Ellen DeGeneres show, what were your main takeaways from there? And I'm so curious only because like, you know, these are major institutions in the media, obviously in the U S. So I figure that the lessons may be, I'm sure there's some similarity, but the the lessons may be a bit different than uh, what we're experiencing in the Canadian market. Yeah. I think with the Canadian market, I mean, you know, this, everyone knows each other. Um, and I think that sort of, there's a sense of community, I guess, within the media industry in Toronto or Canada. Um, And that is not the case in the US. Um, It is so big. Like, I'm sure you know this, if you work at any outlet in Canada, everyone knows each other within the outlet. Whereas like at the Ellen show, there are people that I never even talked to that work there just because it's so big, same as Netflix. I think I learned, I just learned that, you know, jobs come and go. I've seen people get laid off. I've seen other people move on to like bigger things. And when you're surrounded by so many people, um, we're in Toronto, there are very few people in the media industry. Um, whereas in LA, everyone is working in media and entertainment. I think that you realize that you are sort of like really just, a small fish in a big pond. So you have to keep working your ass off or sorry, your butt off, whatever. I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but (laughs) you just like, yeah, like you really have to hustle. And I know that's the same thing in Toronto, but it was sort of like a wake up call. Another um, level. Exactly. Um, it, It just felt larger than life. What about a a moment where you really were second guessing yourself? I had a period in between. So from Netflix to Ellen, um, it wasn't a, like a a transition that happened right away. Um, So I decided to not go full-time with Netflix, hoping I was going to get Ellen. That wasn't for sure. Um, So I took a chance and I was unemployed for a bit. I took a bunch of freelance jobs in between. um, And I when I didn't have that stable income and a full-time job, I really, and everything in my first year happened so fast because I got Netflix right away. Um, I had a second to sit down and think and be like, wow, I don't have any real friends here. Um, All I, like, I don't have a full-time job. I like left my, I was in a relationship before in Toronto. I left my relationship. I left my friends. Um, I left my family and I'm alone in this apartment. It's very, very lonely where everyone like on social media was, I was very active on social at the time. It's not so much 
I'm not the same now, but everyone was like, oh my God, you're so lucky to be living in LA. And I was like, it is truly the most loneliest thing I've ever experienced. Um, and it may sound nice, but it was, it was so lonely. And I really, really was thinking of going back. And it wasn't until I got Ellen that I was like, okay, now like this is my home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear that too. I've, I've moved to a city where I knew absolutely no one, like where my boss was like the only person I knew. And, and it's obviously, lonely. yeah, this can be super lonely, but you know, even still, like, I think those moments are still so necessary in between transitions or, or whenever you're provided with a moment to think about where you are. Um, because our industry where it works so fast, right? The pace is rapid always. And you, you can lose yourself very quickly if you don't have a minute to consider where you're at. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Let's talk about the new job. Yeah. Um, this happened is one of those things. And I think this is a lesson for people okay. um, because I applied for a job at, um, so Red Table Talk is where I'm at now and it is under a production company. Um, and I applied for a marketing job um, within the production company. It wasn't even for Red Table Talk and I didn't get it. And the this was a few months ago and the recruiter said, you know, like, you weren't a fit for this role, but we're going to hold on to your resume. And if anything comes up, we'll let you know. I, okay. I never thought that people you're like, I've that. heard it before. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, exactly. But then they circled back months later and they said, there's this role that opened up for the show. We feel like your experience is much more aligned with this. Would you be interested? And I wasn't even looking for a job at the time because I was so focused on Margot, And it was like, these two things were happening at the same time where I really thought I was going to transition into being an entrepreneur, like a full-time entrepreneur. Um, but I got the opportunity and I was like, I have to take this. This is an, again, a dream job. I'm so, so happy to be producing again. Um, so in between Ellen and red table talk, I worked at Disney, um, for a year and a half as a digital marketing manager. So I wasn't, I wasn't producing, it wasn't really a creative job. It was like here and there, but it's so nice to be a producer again. And I absolutely love it. I love the team. I love what the show stands for. Um, I'm very, very happy about this next chapter. Um, but if 2020 taught me anything is that people, need multiple streams of revenue. And that's very important um, just because of how many jobs can be lost. Like we don't know when a pandemic is going to happen. And I was furloughed for a bit from Disney. And I was like, I wish I had a freelance, um, you know, a freelance job on the side, or I wish I had my own small business. And I'm sure a lot of people thought that. So, um, you know, I'm excited about this new chapter being full-time and working as a producer, but I think it's also important to mm-hmm. foster Margot and like build that business on the side. Yeah. You won't lose sight of one or the other. It'll be always. Yeah. Um... It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep. Now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it but I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, 
adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. Actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. So with, with Red Table Talk, like I wasn't very familiar with that. Maybe you can, you said you really love what the show stands for. So tell me about that and why it was a good fit for you. Yes. So for those who don't know, Red Table Talk is... Um, hosted by the Smiths. Um, so Will Smith, his wife, um, Jada, her mom and her daughter, Willow, um, Will comes in every now and then, but it's mostly the three women and they talk about real issues. They talk about race and identity. They talk about polyamory. They talk about like addiction and these are all real conversations and it's a talk show, but the way it's set up is much more intimate and real. Um, and just to be able to work for a show that is represented by three women of color um, of all different generations, I think is really, really awesome. So I'm, I'm so excited and happy to be a part of this production. Yeah. You can see you're like lighting up talking about the, <laughs> yeah, again, being back uh, producing. You can really sense that that's, that's your home in here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's mentorship been like in the U.S.? Because like, you know, we've talked about Terry um, a little bit. Did you find yourself like really having a connection with anyone on the Ellen DeGeneres show or anyone at Netflix or Walt Disney? Um, no, except, except um, I think Terry is just like, I can't even compare to anyone. Um, I've never been able to find another Terry. Um, But I, the way Marco started essentially was that Disney offered a formal mentorship program to their employees. And that's when I didn't, I didn't know whether to join it as a mentor, as a mentee. Um, I have never been a part of a formal mentorship program. Um, even with Terry as my mentor, I never called her a mentor. It wasn't until later. Um, but I was paired with this wonderful woman named Keisha, who was also a mentor on Margot. And, you know, the purpose was to talk about Disney and, you know, work, but we didn't even talk about Disney once in our hour conversation. Um, we were just talking about life and all those things. And that's when I realized how crucial it is to have a mentor and have multiple mentors because she's very different than Terry. And the advice they give me is very different. They have different experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say she's been my mentor. Um, and that was because she had to be, (laughs) um, but I haven't naturally found someone that's like taken me under their wing the same way Terry has. I've actually been a part of a company mentorship program before too, um, of course, entertainment before my work at SiriusXM. And what's really interesting too with those uh, company mentorship programs is you're often paired with someone who has a, a skill set in a different department. They're, tra- they're, yeah. they're trying to remove you from like, you know, your silo to like think bigger, I think usually. And um, yeah, so what's something unexpected that came out of your time with Keisha maybe? Um, just in that, you know, I, I know you said you talked a lot about personal stuff, but maybe something that led to, you know, a business light bulb or. Yeah, I think it was really the session itself. Um, and 
having someone set time in their day to talk about your growth. Um, and I've never seen that. I mean, even with Terry, it was very natural. I know I keep bringing up Terry, Terry, hope you're listening, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but with her, it was, it was very natural. We weren't like, Hey, do you have some calendar time? And let's sit for an hour and talk about me, but that's not how it was. But with Keisha, um, to know that we are going into a conversation to work on my development and my growth was amazing. And that's when I thought, okay, people need this. Um, and I personally don't know where to find this. And had this not been an opportunity presented to me, I would not feel comfortable reaching out to someone and asking them to be my mentor. I wouldn't know how to do that. So that's when I had like sort of that aha moment where I said, this is something that is lacking. And there's definitely a gap here. Um, cause I went on Google and I was like, find a mentor. And there isn't a place that people know about yet. Um, and it's still not common. So that's when I found out, you know, there, there could be something here. <laughs> so Margo is an inclusive online network, helping women identifying in non-binary individuals find mentors and provide virtual one-on-one time with them, normalizing women being compensated for their knowledge. Um, and you're, you're a mentor now as well. What are, what are those qualities that you think any woman who is joining a mentorship program should be thinking about? I think that you are taking on a responsibility being a mentor to someone. And I don't think that it should be taken lightly. So this is also where the compensation aspect of Margo comes in. So all of our mentors set their own rates. And this is because um, I know we talked about people not necessarily knowing how to find a mentor. On the, on the flip side, there are also a lot of women who get messages from people saying, hey, can I pick your brain? Um, I was wondering like, if we can jump on a call, I just want to know how you got into the industry. And I have been on both sides. I've definitely asked questions like that. I've had conversations with people and it is a lot of work and it's a lot of, you know, it's time out of your day and what you're sharing, your experience and your lessons are valuable. And I think that a lot of women get those messages and they don't necessarily respond or, you know, actually jump on a call with anyone because we have our full-time jobs. We're underpaid as it is. So now to like go out of our way after the work day and help someone else, that's tiring. So I believe that sharing your knowledge is valuable and is worth being compensated for. So that being said, if you are joining Margo as a mentor, or if you are becoming a mentor outside of Margo, I think that you owe it to yourself and to the person you're talking to to really give, how do I say this? To essentially give all that you can to them because it's a two-way street. They are learning from you. You are learning from them. It's valuable time. So don't let that go to waste. Mm-hmm. I hope I, I hope that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. I think what you hit on perfectly without saying it is that women often have trouble enforcing boundaries. Yes, I yes. I, I just put in an application actually to become a mentor with Margot Community because I love this idea so much. Like 
Thank you. I, I really went down a rabbit hole after Shannon told me about you. I was like, this is amazing. You know, oh my God. <laughs> even still like at this stage of my career where like, you know, I'm managing a music department at Sirius XM, like it's, things are good. But when the box came filling out the application, what my rate of compensation is, I have no idea where to start. I honestly wrote that in the box and I love how you're trying to normalize it. But what do you say to someone who has never thought of that before? Very good question. And you are definitely not the first person who is like, I don't know. I've never done this before. And that also shows me that this is something that's never been done. Um, and we it's are- so needed. Yeah. So and that kind of scared me because I was like, I don't know if people are going to be down for this. Um, I don't know if people are willing to pay for mentorship because it's usually something that people get for free. Thankfully, people have, you know, adjusted to the idea and opened, you know, welcomed it with open arms. There's some people I'm sure that are like, no, thank you. But, um, you know, on the mentor side, a lot of women, I would say at first, like 90% of women. Okay. I feel better. (laughs) Yeah. And they, it's not that they didn't believe in not being paid. They just didn't know how much to be paid. Um, like, is there, you know, is there a rate card for this? There's not right. Like, it's like this community is going to create what's going to become normal about it. Yes. And the reason, um, as I was building the business model, I thought of, should I give options like ranges for people to choose? And I was like, I don't want to be responsible for deciding what someone's worth is. And I think that is completely up to the mentor. If you want to charge $5 or if you want to charge $500, that's up to you because you know your worth. And I think that this is a skill that women need to work on. And some women have a down pat. That's, that's great. I'm not generalizing all women, but I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is not something that's been normalized yet. And I think that, so for, to answer your question in terms of like what to charge, I think it's really about, you know, I, I tell people, you can take a look at the website and see what people charge normally, whatever you feel comfortable with. If you feel, if you are sitting down for a 45 minute conversation, you get paid $20 and you feel like that wasn't worth my time, then make your, you know, make your rate 30 or 40 or 50. Um, so just really think about what you're giving and the time it's going to take to, you know, cause you have to. I guess, come up, depending how the the mentor session goes, you know, you have to sort of come up with a plan for this mentee. You need to, you know, it's, you're not just sitting and listening to someone. So that's worth your time. And what is that worth? And it Um, may change too, as you continue, right? Exactly. And you can always change your rate. Some people have gone higher. Some people have gone lower after having their first session. I love that there wasn't a range because although I had that uncomfortable moment where I was like, I don't know how to fill this out right now. I love that you're forcing women to just be in their confidence and decide. So thank you so much. (laughs) I didn't even fully wrap my head around it till right now. I wanted to sign up, not even thinking about the compensation, to be honest. And I bet you that's the same for many women. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say we do have a give back program and some of our mentors have chosen to set a rate and a hundred percent of the profits will go towards the give back program. Shannon is one of those women. Um, so, you know, and they make it very affordable. They're like, it's $10 flat. You know, I'm, I'm okay with giving my time and, and, you know, if there are some women who are comfortable with that, great. There's someone, some women who aren't, that's okay too. Um, but 
our give back, our give back program is essentially partnering with nonprofit organizations. And this money goes towards them to provide free mentorship for the girls in their communities. So, um, you know, it's completely up to you how you want to leverage and utilize the platform. And I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. Yeah, absolutely. It's honestly, it's so groundbreaking what you're doing. And like, again, you. uh, you don't find many women in media that are dedicating their time to things like this. I read a, I read a quote um, in that same interview I was reading where you were telling someone who worked for the UN that like you sometimes felt like superficial about, yes. you know, your, your situation. And like, it, it is hard being in the media to like, think of it that way, because, you know, we're, I love music, you love entertainment and, and celebrities. And, you know, often there's like a stigma attached to that stuff on its own. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, the fact that, you know, you've put, poured your heart and your time into this is very exciting and huge thank congratulations, you. honestly. So thank you so, so much. Is there a name that's come across uh, your desk virtually, figuratively, whatever, um, to sign, like someone that signed up as a, a mentor that you were like, oh, I can't believe it. Um, no one that I like knew of prior, but there are people that have, have applied to be a mentor. And I look at their profile and their LinkedIn and their handles. And I'm like, Whoa, like this person's really freaking cool. How did they find Margot? But, um, and that happens all the time because I think the women yeah. on the platform are so incredible, but, um, no, I have not had like a, a dream person, um, sign up. Yeah. I'm going to manifest that though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> so, okay. Let's flip the coin, the let's flip the coin back to, um, being a mentee for a second. So when you're looking to learn from, from somebody and you're looking, you know, to capitalize on their time to help guide you, what's something that's maybe been missing? I know you've had an amazing experience with Terry, but if you put yourself in the mindset where like, what would a bad mentorship look like? Things we want to stay away from. Oh, okay. Yes. So I think that, like I said earlier, I think mentorship is a two-way street. And I think that we assume as mentors that the mentee's job is to ask us the questions and then we answer them where that is not always the case. And I think we have to remember that, and I've seen many mentees come in and I've gotten feedback and some mentees are lost and, you know, they just, they don't even know what they want to ask. And that's the mentor's job to bring it out of them. So I think that there is an assumption that if you are taking on a mentee, that they know exactly what they need, where that's not always the case. So I think it's the mentor's job to be proactive, to follow up with the mentee, you know, to ask certain questions because a lot of people are shy as well. Um, And these, a lot of the clients or, you know, women that use the platform are people that are afraid to reach out to someone because they're afraid they're going to be rejected. So they like this platform because they know that they won't be rejected and they know they will have that time. Um, But I would say that it's, it's up to the mentor to help foster the relationship as much as it is the mentee. Mm -hmm. I like that too. In giving back in your give back program, um, to women who are facing, you know, certain socioeconomic troubles, what are the types of things that you would like to see with the give back program? I know you're in the early stages, but in terms of the mentor, um, how the mentor donates, it really is just one way you go through the website or you say, I want to donate a percentage of my 
um, profits. And then it's up to us and the nonprofit partners to decide like how we utilize that. So there have been two ways. So one is actually monetary, which is donating your profits. But then there is also um, one of our nonprofit partners, Girls for a Change. They help young girls of color in the South um, that are in high school. And some of our mentors, right now we have about 30 mentors a part of a nine-month program where they donate 45 minutes of their time a month to one of the girls and mentor them. So And this is another thing I definitely want to say is that as much as I'm advocating for women's pay, I don't want this platform to be seen as something that's of a privilege and that you should only have mentorship if you can afford it. Because that's not the case. That's definitely not what I believe in. I just am seeing this as a funnel for women to, you know, if they decide to charge for their time, they can use this platform and not feel bad about charging for their time. But with the girls in the Girls for Change program, these are girls who would not be able to afford something like this, would never have the opportunity, at least not now, to talk to a CEO of a company, to talk to someone that works at, um, you know, like Amazon or Google or Netflix. And now they have access to these women and these women are, you know, they're offering their free time. So you can do it two ways. You can definitely actually become a mentor to someone. Um, We have another nonprofit partner called Global Glow. They work with young girls in areas of extreme poverty. So you can't necessarily be a mentor to those young girls because they don't have internet, Mm -hmm. but they send out um, mentors um, like on a monthly basis and they do like sessions with them, like workshops. Um, So that money goes towards that as well. And I think that's something in general with nonprofits that I'm definitely trying to be more transparent about because so many are asking to donate. And it's like, well, where does that money go? Like what even happens after? Um, So that's something that I'm actively trying to be more, you know, clear about, about if you donate, like this is the end result. Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) And are are you actively uh, mentoring with Margot right now as well? I am. I am. I have about five mentors, mentees right now. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been so fulfilling and three of them just got job offers, um, oh, last week, amazing. which was the most amazing feeling. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like, cause this kind of forces you to like, you're like looking in the mirror at a version of you, like when you're, when you're mentoring, especially with how profound the impact of mentorship has been on your life. So yeah, I, I mean, you just told me, but I was going to ask you how how that's all been feeling. It feels amazing. It feels rewarding. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like there's so many times where we're like, if I can go back and tell my 20 year old self to do this, I would, and we can't, but we can tell another 20 year old person that. So it's like, it's so awesome that all the mistakes I've made, and there've been a lot of mistakes can now, you know, be shared with someone and hopefully someone can learn from the mistakes I've made. It it is a really, really awesome feeling. So what's the biggest mistake you've, you've made? God, I mean, I've made like just work mistakes, like sending wrong emails and stuff like that. Like all those things that, you know, I'm sure everyone does. Um, Something that you've thought about more than once after just sending an email that you were like, oh crap. God. Okay. I, (laughs) it was when interviewing a celebrity and it's like a traumatizing story for me, but I was interviewing and this is something that was out of my control because I didn't know any better, yeah. but um, I feel like 
it has definitely helped me in my interview skills moving forward. I was interviewing a celebrity and this woman, I was so new to it. I was so new and I was so excited to be interviewing this person. And I wasn't on camera. So it was just, you know, like my hand, you know how it is. Um, I asked her a question and in between her answers, I said, I was like, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, I don't know. I was agreeing. I said something. And there were a lot of people in this room. <laughs> she stopped me and she was like, I'm sorry, you're not on camera, right? I was like, no, I was like 22 years old. And I was like, no. And she's like, okay, so when I'm talking, you don't talk, okay? And I was like, oh my God. And she's like, because now you're making it hard for your editor when I'm talking because now they have to, you know, cut around you, which 100% she's right. But it was like the way it happened in the middle of the interview was caught on camera. All these people were listening. I was like, okay. And I just like, didn't look at her the rest of the interview. It was so scary. Like, yes. Yeah. I, I was like, I, I don't, I don't care anymore. just, just someone else interview her. I just need to leave. Um, but that was so traumatizing for me. And that has, um, I can say who it was. I feel like you can, it was, um, it was Kim Cattrall, which I feel like we've heard a couple of things, haven't we? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like as of recently, she's not the most, like, she's not the world's favorite person, but, and when I came back from the shoot, I saw Terry and Terry asked how it was. And I almost broke down in tears. And all Terry said was, we all have a story. And now you have a Kim Cattrall story. And she just like brushed it aside. She's like, it happens. It's fine. And I was like, wow, I I guess that's my Kim Cattrall story. Okay. So yeah. and now I'm telling the story. So full circle. <laughs> so you haven't told that story many times because it was that traumatizing, huh? Oh, I, I like truly lock it up in like a part of my brain <laughs> and just never, never op- threw, threw away the key. <laughs> but you know what? I think it, that's so true. And it's still, even when I'm doing like the podcast interviews, I find myself going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and believe me when I'm editing after, like I try not to edit too much. It's usually just cleaning it up, but it's very true. I might, I might also have to learn a lesson from Kim Cattrall. So, right. It's just, you know, she could have said it after or she could have, the cameras could have been off. It's fine. <laughs> I bet you Sarah Jessica Parker would have never said that to us. But Sarah Jessica Parker would never. I love this company that you've started. I really hope I get to be a mentor and I did not just invite you to this podcast to try and put my submission um, up the line. But you honestly, are accepted. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, congratulations on uh, on what you've done. And, you know, mentorship is such a powerful tool that people don't consider, especially in the media when you're second guessing every single thing you do. I just think it's so valuable. So congratulations to everything that you've done and congrats on your new job. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. And thank you so much for inviting me and creating a podcast like this for people to listen to. Well, it's official. I've become a mentor with Margot Community. And if Joss Richards' mission struck a chord with you too, please consider joining the community, whether that's as a mentor or a mentee. You'll find the link in the episode notes, and I hope you too will play a role in reminding women that their time is valuable and let's normalize women getting paid when they give up a spot in their busy schedules. Once again, I'm Sarah Burke. Thank you so much for listening and share the link to this episode with someone you think may need to hear it. Ah. 
I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Wish us luck. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.